Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to HR Tech Weekly, one step closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. How are you, Stacey? I'm I'm doing well, John. You got a little bit of an echo in the background. I'm not sure if the uh, other audio kicked back in again, but hopefully it's uh, not too bad for everyone else. It's a good morning here in North Carolina. We are enjoying a beautiful sort of mixed rain sunny on the same day which is kind of a thing for north carolina but it is hot and muggy and that is what it usually is this time of year so i can't complain um because it's nice and warm in the winter too so (laughs) how about you where are you looking at this week sounds like sounds like a recipe for rainbows yes it does exactly (laughs) yeah that'll be that'll be great so i am in park city utah and and i have had a week of conference hopping i started at something called Mind the Product, which is a conference for product managers held in San Francisco. The the company that does it has product management conferences in London, San Francisco, and Singapore currently. So so they are sort of the hub of a large, sprawling community of product managers. And that, that was pretty interesting Largely because I think that discipline, product management, is probably coming to HR fairly quickly. Um, and then the last couple of days, I've been here in Park City at the Plan Source um, Users Conference. And Plan Source is a, um, a benefits uh, platform that allows brokers and companies and the people that they support interact with each other in order to give people better choice and utilization of benefits. So it's, a, it's been an interesting week. Definitely. Park City, Utah's not a, a you know, I, I just haven't spent a lot of time out there. So there, so you get a chance to be in a new area and to learn about benefits. We talked a lot about benefits last week. It is a hot topic, it seems, in the market. So hopefully you'll be able to like, bring us some interesting insights from the conference this week. I hope so. We'll see. We'll see. It's it's been very interesting. You know, I was born in Utah, but but I was born in a little tiny military base in Utah, and was only here for six weeks, and never saw the place again until I was forty, and I've never been in the mountains of Utah. So it's it's oh. it's a fantastic thing for me. Oh, beautiful scenery. Yeah, I think I've only been to Salt Lake. I guess is probably it. Now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> so so you will have seen more than probably most. Um, we also have a couple of interesting news announcements this week, some some fun ones as well as some that I think are kind of interesting as the market is shifting around what's happening in recruiting. Um, we had actually happened last week. We didn't catch it in the, in the news run, but namely appointed a, a friend of, I think, a lot of people in the industry, and our friend uh, Larry Donovan as the new CEO. Um, namely has been struggling a bit. They've, they've started out with some great, you know, wow marketing and then i think they sort of were trying to figure out where they were going from there meandering a little bit and um picking up larry donovan as a a new ceo is is probably going to be really interesting um we also have this week tmp worldwide acquiring peringo i'm not sure if i'm saying that correctly um a programmatic uh recruitment application 
Um, and then just similarly, uh, almost a, a similar kind of acquisition decision, Indeed announced acquisition of automated recruitment technology platform ClickIQ. Um, so a lot of stuff going on in the, the recruiting space there. Um, there's, I'm sure, a couple other things going on, but, but I thought even a more interesting conversation than some of the acquisitions and seed fundings that are going on right now is Microsoft you know, basically putting out a press release saying that their Teams application now has 13 million daily active users. And so I think there's a great conversation me and you can have there about daily active users. How do you track that? Who is that? Does that really mean anything? I just had a financial analyst put out a, a recent sort of article to all of his sort of research audience about sort of daily user stats that they were garbing off the web um, and whether or not that showed real use of the technology. And they had a couple of the HR technologies in that article as well. Um, and why do you need to put out a press release to show how many more million you have daily uses versus someone like Slack, which is it seems to be the big focus of this article that you know they, they have bypassed and much more quickly than the Slack user audience. So so it's a, a kind of a fun week to have some conversations. You went to some neat conferences and are in the middle of a neat conference and, and we've got some, some good things to talk about. So where do you want to start at, John? So it seems it seems like you've got a V in your bonnet on on um daily user stats. So what are you thinking? <laughs> Well, the daily user stats conversation, I think, is just uh, there. There, there is an ongoing conversation in the market. I think that's happening about how do I track the actual adoption or use of my HR technology. I've, I've been, I started asking this question about uh, last year, and we asked again this year. So we've got two years now of data um, on whether or not they even track it in organizations in the in the CRC survey, and then you know sort of how they make decisions in their organization with their HR technology to get a sense of how it's being used. But a lot of people, I think, are, are going, you know, the way they do track it is how many people log in every day and what type of activities happen. So the question is, 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 is if you're logging in and doing something every day, does that mean you're actually using the technology every day? And I, and I think that's what a daily user sort of stat means, is I've gone in and done something in it. Is that the same as going in and doing something important? It's kind of quantity over quality question oftentimes, right? Um, and if you're tracking these kind of stats from outside of a company, so you're just using cloud stats, um, like this one report that I had shared with you this week was, was basically tracking all the cloud stats to all the cloud pages that were tied to various things like Ultimate Workday and uh, Dayforce they had on that list, uh, as well as Paycom. Um, does that equate to a real number of, of actual usages? What do you think, John? I mean, you and I have had a conversation about this before, but do you think this is an important metric we should be paying attention to? The the problem is it's the only metric you can get, right? And <coughs> excuse me, and, um, and and it doesn't really tell you anything. So so you might, and I don't know if you follow Slack well at all, but you might imagine that too much daily use of Slack means the company isn't getting any work done. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and so and so. So you 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 got to wonder about the statistic, but like a lot of things that you can measure about internet behavior, there's no indication, there's no way to get an indication of whether or not the click is important. 
Right? All you can get is the number of clicks. You can't get a signal on their importance. And so so you need to <clears throat> really tie that to some other thing, um, improvements in productivity or improvements in revenue related to those the bits and pieces of daily use to have something that you'd want to take to the CEO. But this is a press release for the financial markets. And so the financial markets don't actually care whether or not the software produces net benefit. Um, They care about how the perception of the net benefit works, and these statistics help with that. Does that make sense? I think it does, I mean, and, and they also care about how many licenses someone's got. I mean, I mean, even if you don't use it, if you've bought a license, you're paying something, right, for the most part. Um, and and definitely with the Microsoft, you know, uh, announcement here, this, you know, their I think their focus was to show their transition from what was Skype to Microsoft Teams. And I don't know enough about how all of that is happening. I know personally in my own life, it's causing a bit of chaos because of my company's doing the same thing as everyone else's. You're being forced into the Teams application area. Um, but that that has been you know a little bumpy because we most people just moved over to Skype if they were on you know a, a big Microsoft thing in the last two years. Um, so I think they're also trying to sort of change the perception that you know that Teams is just another of the many, but that you know millions and millions of people are going to be using it and it's valuable and you should invest in obviously what Microsoft's doing versus what the little. Slack is doing it with their IPO that they had a few weeks ago. So, yeah, I, I would definitely say this is a financially-focused conversation. But it, I think it, it is a good conversation for companies to have inside their own environments about, you know, to your point, how do we track usage, but then how do we connect that? It's very similar to the recruiting conversation, right? Just because I recruit a number of people doesn't mean they're quality people, correct? That's right. <clears throat> That's right. And, and what's happened – in recruitment advertising is it's migrated towards pay-per-click. So this is actually a direct tie-in to the Indeed um, and TMP announcements about buying programmatic advertising. Um, the, the name of the game isn't how many clicks you get on your ad. The name of the game is how many people apply for the job. Um, and so, so over many years, 25 years, the recruiting industry has migrated towards performance-based advertising. Um, and that means that you can do things like they do in programmatic advertising. So if you're recruiting for a nurse in Raleigh, North Carolina, and you need to get 200 applications to um, effectively search for, for somebody for that slot, programmatic advertising monitors the flow of applications and uh, turns the system off when you've got enough, right? And so, so, so it puts you in the right place to get the data, and then it makes sure to limit so that you only get as much data as you need. And that's what the that's the kind of performance measure that the um, that the Slack and Microsoft Teams people don't have yet. Interesting. Well, that's definitely going to – I think, you know, we're probably going to hear a lot more about that in other areas of HR. I mean, recruiting tends to be ahead when it comes to some of these conversations because they've been dealing with them almost as long as the Internet's been around. So 
um, it will be interesting to see, you know, this idea, you know, because I could see that conversation definitely happening in the learning space, right, without a doubt. You know, how many times I click and open learning, does that really matter, right, um, compared right. to whether or not I actually take actions. And, and in performance, just because I've I've gone in and looked at my performance reviews or even done a performance review doesn't mean I'm actually improving performance, right? That's a conversation we've been having for a little while. Yeah, there's there's a lot of this activity doesn't equate to outcomes conversation, but yet there's got to be something we start to track to, to get to the next level, I think, is, is the real, I think, insight here, right? That's right. That's right. That's how you do measurement. You don't you, – this has been the problem with um, quality of higher metrics in recruiting. Everybody is waiting till there is a perfect measure of what quality of hire is, uh, and so nobody measures anything. And the way that you solve the problem is by – looking at hiring manager satisfaction, and then when hiring manager satisfaction starts to dip, you start to ask questions about why it dipped, and you start measuring that stuff. And ultimately, over time, you evolve a measurement regime that actually tells you whether or not things are working. But it doesn't just fall out of the sky into your lap that you learn how to measure. You have to test and experiment and watch and learn. So so the the data and analytics thing is much more of a rigorous discipline than it seems at first because you want to continuously improve the granularity of the measures by looking at what actually happens and then summarizing that in the next thing that you go after. And I think the thing that's important to point out there because what you're talking about is, is it's a process. It's a, it's a process of getting from sort of bigger metrics and bigger numbers and, and sort of, sort of I would say, almost more shallow, but they're still important down to sort of the really important information that's, that's at a more granular level. But I don't think you can leapfrog in this area. Like you were saying, people are looking for the quick way there. Just because someone else got to a certain metric that means something to them, they only knew that metric – how important it was oftentimes and, and what it actually means because they had done all the other work, right? And I think that's a, a hard thing for a lot of organizations, especially sometimes if they hire an analytics person who comes from someone else who says, well, we did it this way. But I think every company, based on their culture, their operations, their industry, the mix of all of that, right, has different things that are important to them. And you have to start out knowing, I think, these quantifiable, large things like how often people click, before you start to drill down, because it, it, it's it's a it's an investigative process, and that's what good analytics is. It's not um, there's no like you said instant silver bullet that tells you that if I if I track this, it will it will mean something in my company, right? So it's really interesting, and this this gives me the segue to talk about the first conference I went to this week. What's really interesting about what you just said is that's how you build products. Hmm. That's exactly the mechanism that you use to build products. It, it's test and experiment and see what happens, and sometimes experiments work and sometimes they don't. But you start with big things and you get increasingly granular, and you use research as a critical component of, of that process. So the exciting thing for me at, at the conference that I went to, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. The, the, conference is, the conference itself is one day long, um, and the um, um, there's one track, so there are ten speakers and two thousand people in a single room. 
um, and the theme of of the conference was research and oh, how wow. to integrate research into product development and what works and what doesn't work and why you want to do it and what counts and what doesn't count. And there were lots of different kinds of opinions, but the importance of research, which is kind of what we're talking about. When you do analytics, you have to do research and you have to keep improving the quality of the research um, over time. Um, it's just like product management. And I, I came away thinking that that between the, the use of APIs and the increased level of um, predictive analytics and the use of intelligent tools and the need for a reduction in the number of interfaces, you start to have this stew in the data world of HR that requires somebody who sees it as a product and who prioritizes all of the ins and outs of HR as a single product because employees don't want to deal with silos. Employees want to deal with a single interface. Um, the, the silo stuff gets in the way of HR's effectiveness like nobody's business, and it will become necessary because the data is so important to have a more singular deliverable to the employee desktop. Um, and so so I started to think that that product management is going to have a home in HR. And the interesting thing about product management is product managers are never actually in charge of anything. They have tons of, res of responsibility and very limited authority. They're dotted blind people who are responsible for envisioning and executing but don't have budget necessarily to do it. Right, so it's an ideal function to roll into HR. Yeah, well, and and I think your your conversation there about sort of HR in and of itself being a product, right? It's it, it's a services product with a mix with an ecosystem with a mixture of various technologies that are that are being used to sort of create that environment, right? Um, it's it's not far off, you know. You know, I think any of the ecosystem environments that you're seeing, um, I think. Organizations probably have people who are doing this to some extent, but that's not their title right now, right? And they're called program managers, or they're called, you know, you know, they're the the director of shared services in some cases. It, it, but their roles, I think, they would describe as very much what you're talking about there, right? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And what surprised me about the second thing that I went to the Plan Source Conference in in Utah is that a whole bunch of people I know from Ultimate Software are here. Hmm. And they're here because because Ultimate Software knows how to build one of those ecosystems. They really know how to build one of those ecosystems, and they've invested in this company, and they have um, made it important that this company succeed. Um, and so, so the partnership with Ultimate Software is a big part of the success of the company, um, and the people from Ultimate Software who are their um, ecosystem folks are here doing what great ecosystem folks do, which is getting to know um, the insides of the company that they're integrating. Well, maybe tell me this, John. I mean, you know, we talked about the fact that, that you know, PlanSource, you know, sort of connects with the brokers and, and sort of the the benefits elements all together for the various organizations that they service. 
Can you talk a little bit? Are are they just a technology company? Is that, is that are they just offering the platforms? Do they also also offer the services? Um, and you know, how often do the users who use them know that it's Landsource versus the other organizations? Someone maybe like an Ultimate as a, as a partner. Well, I'll tell you what. There, there are there are I think maybe four hundred customers here. And they are as engaged and rabid about PlanSource as any group of customers I've ever seen anywhere. And they are, you know, I talked to somebody who, who runs benefits in a small hospital. These, these are all benefits people, and they're benefits people who are operating at the state of the art. And PlanSource has things like that. I don't, do you remember um, JellyVision or Alex, the JellyVision benefits? Yep animated analyst. Well, they've got a huge, tightly coupled integration with, with Jelly Vision here. And so so they offer all the way out to um, benefits enrollment um, and are the benefits administration platform. Um, but to be the benefits administration platform, they have to move all the data around between all of the places. And I, I didn't have an adequate appreciation. I think you probably do for how actually complex that is. Yeah, it is. It, it, you know, I think people oftentimes talk about payroll as one of the most complex and regulated environments that you know we currently work with in the HR tech space. In some cases, workforce planning probably right behind that from a time and labor perspective. I think benefits gets. Which is why it's outsourced so much, right? You know, we're we're going to have stats this year on what percentage of the market, and um, you know, is fully outsourced or partially outsourced. But there's so many things that fall under what we quote unquote call benefits, right? You know, um, you know, most of it in healthcare, but there's a lot of other things that are attached to that, and then are also um, sort of less sort of healthcare focused benefits, right? And it's amazing how important sort of all the different pieces are together and how often it's not in a single area, so it all has to be sort of brought together. Um, plus, you have to understand the regulations and law, and it's a state-by-state state regulated environment in most cases, right, uh, which makes it um, very difficult to manage and, and definitely country-by-country country depending on if you do international as well. So, yeah. yeah, so I would say, I would say in a nutshell, Watch out for these guys because they seem they seem to be on a roll. <laughs> they just they seem to be on a real roll. Now it's interesting because so you know, one of the things that there was also going on this week, uh, Ultimate did a demo for many most of the analysts on their products, and one of the things they showed was their benefits platform, which included a really I think savvy decision making tool that walked someone through the you know questions and. Uh, elements of gathering data in a questionnaire sort of format or a or a survey kind of format that would help them make decisions about the type of benefits that were best for them, right? Um, did they sort of talk about how those two things are working together at all while while you were talking with the ultimate team there? They didn't. They didn't and I and I wish I'd known because then I would have asked. I missed I missed yeah. that presentation because I was on the road. Yeah, that yeah, thing. Well, maybe maybe next time we'll we'll have an answer for the audience on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I will make sure that somebody listens to this and tells us the truth. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, you know, as, as a wrap up today, we've gone through a lot of conversations about what's happening with sort of tracking and and recruiting, but 
what do you think about the Namely announcement with Larry Donovan? You've known Larry probably longer than I have. I, I knew him from my days, of, you know, his days at Ceridian. That's where I first met Larry at. But you probably met him even before that. Well, is this a good move for Namely? Or, or are we going to get a chance to, to see Larry Donovan shine? And he shines wherever he goes. I think he's, he's, he's got one of those big personalities that everybody knows. But in the CEO role, I think this is his first CEO role, isn't it? I believe he was the. Uh, he came. He moved to San Francisco about a year ago to run. Uh, I don't remember the name. To run a, run a company that that was like a, a questions company. Uh-huh. It was it was some sort of what are all the questions in HR initiative. So I was kind of surprised to see him move into this job, but namely has. A lot of oomph and a lot of um, potential. They, 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 it was, it was one of those situations where the company sort of blew its blew its opportunity in a very grand way, and now they are sober and a little older. And um, Larry's exactly the right guy to guide a company through that sort of development. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have to agree. I mean, like I said, you know, I, I, if I recall, the the original person who the founders of Namely were marketing guys, or at least connected to the marketing industry on some level, because I can remember having conversations um, at HR Tech probably two or three years ago when they were sort of everywhere. They had put their name on everything. They everyone knew them, and and their marketing was fabulous. But there was a conversation about the depth of what the product could offer and you know whether or not it could live up to the hype and I think that's where you're going with that that's a that tends to be a challenge you know there's a there's a fine balance between sort of marketing your product which all product you know managers know and actually coming out with a solid product that's going to meet the needs of the audience and so um you know Larry I think has a long standing experience in this industry of working with organizations that have done that sort of slow progressive move up right I mean Ceridian was definitely an organization that you know, purchased Dayforce and then turned themselves around to almost rebrand and re sort of build who they were, but it wasn't something that happened overnight. They took time to do that and I'm assuming Namely would have to do the same thing, probably. Yep, yep. Larry's exactly the right guy for the job. Larry's yeah. exactly the right guy. So, so it's been a great busy conversation. Week. Yeah. Busy week. Um good good to talk to you and and thanks for doing this as usual Um, and thanks everybody for listening in you have been listening to HR Tech Weekly One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Subster and we will see you here next week bye bye now thanks everyone bye 